0: This is the Houndsman XP Podcast. Good dog, get that bird. Get that bird in
1: here.
0: The original podcast for the complete houndsman. The podcast that represents our lifestyle of extreme performance. Uniting houndsmen across the globe from east to west, north to south. If you're gonna catch a cat or a lion, you know you have to have teamwork. We take you to the wildest places on earth. So, how many days? How many days a week do you spend out there?
1: As much as I can, to be honest with you, Anytime that I get, I'm I'm out there.
0: Join us for every heart pounding adventure on Houndsman XP. I'll
2: tell you like I tell everyone else: I'm going to hunt whether you're here or not. So you might as well be here.
0: On this episode of the Houndsman XP Podcast, we've got a special two-parter for you folks. You're going to want to listen to it all the way till the end. First off, we're going to go to Somerset, Kentucky, and we are going to talk about Yog Terriers. A couple of weeks ago, you heard me talk about my trip down to the American Hunting Terrier Association, the Yog Terrier group that puts on their annual field trial down there in Somerset. And I met a man named James Mills. I'd talked to James previously, but I got to meet him in person at the at the trials. However, he was so busy running that trial that I did not have a chance to sit down and talk to him. So what did I do? I loaded up the truck and I headed back down to Somerset because I felt like the story that he had to tell us about the history of Yog Terriers, the uses, how they came to the United States. I mean, he is a walking encyclopedia and one of the most well-versed people in the country. On the subject of Yog Terriers, I'm not going to steal his thunder. I don't know anything about him compared to this man. He's going to tell you all about that. In part two, we are going to the Navajo Nation and we are going to talk to Calvin Redhouse. Calvin accomplished something this past week that I don't know that any person has ever been able to record this feat. He treed a mountain lion and a black bear in the same tree at the same time, and he has the video to prove it. I'm going to talk to Calvin about how this came about, get his thoughts on it, and share it all with you. So hang in there, folks. We got a hot track. The Old South Dog Box is rocking. It's time to dump the box. Briar Creek Kennels is your complete hound hunting outfitter. Boots, lights, collars, and tracking equipment. Dog boxes, kennel supplies, collars, clothes, squalors. whew they have it all. Briar Creek Kennel is a Garmin and dog trade dealer. Owner Chris Girth will ensure Briar Creek Kennel customers will get top of the industry customer service. Whether you purchase from their website Where you find them at a major coonhound event, Chris and his staff will share expert knowledge and experience about every product they offer. Chris Gerth is a top competitor and breeder of hounds. He knows what gear you need to be successful. Look for Briar Creek Kennels on the web for a complete online store or look at their fully stocked trailer at any major coonhound event. Briar Creek Kennels, offering a hound hunting public, generations of excellence
2: issue. It it, carry, it doesn't really kill them, even though it's a, a parasite on a honeybee, but it carries viruses that do kill the bee.
0: Right, right. Yeah, well, you, there's so much stuff going through. I can't believe the amount of, how easy it is to pass information, but also how easy it is to pass misinformation right now. I've never seen anything like it. People, yeah. people talk about a world with a lack of trust. No,
2: I'm telling you. It's, it's you don't crazy. know who to believe, really.
0: No, never. You know. So whenever you start talking bees and things, you get people over here that are saying it's the chemicals, and other people over here are saying that it's cell phones, and and uh, somewhere th- in
2: the- people say it's cli- uh, 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 warm, uh, 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 global warming, yeah, that sort of thing.
0: Yeah, climate
2: change, and it may be part of it. Who knows? I don't know. I know the, the climate. It's all about the climate, you know, for bees. Yeah. I know this spring, right now, we're in the midst of a huge flow, a uh, nectar flow but it's going to be over shortly and then we're going to be in a dearth yeah the middle part of the summer here if if the if the white clover doesn't pop you know there won't be a lot of honey but Mm. maybe it will but now everything usually it's spread out the first thing that comes in is probably um, bush honeysuckle then uh, uh after bush honeysuckle normally uh do you have autumn olive down here? No, we don't. Boy, I wish we did. I wish we had some autumn olive. Um, bush honey what, what about locust bloom? Locust is, is the next thing. And then tulip poplar. Well, they're mm. all three blooming right now. Yeah. And then the blackberries will be right behind them. And then, you know, it's about over till the goldenrod blooms, and it's late before they'd ever bloom. Mm-hmm.
0: So can they sustain themselves between
2: the locusts? Well, locust they and... can, but, you know, you've got to – it depends on what you're going to do. Are you going to take all that honey from the spring? And then if not, you might have to feed through the middle. Mm. And then if you have a bad fall flow, you've got to feed right through August and September. You know? Wow. I talked to uh, Rick Sutton, and he, uh, as of last week, he hadn't had any natural nectar. Of course, he went to Florida and he had a, a drought. He went to Florida. He takes 1,000 hives to Florida. And he hadn't had any nectar since last July. Wow. You know, tough. So
0: they don't get an orange? He's not around the orange groves the down orange there? orange didn't have any. Because didn't they have the, any oranges
2: here? They like
0: three, freeze. average
2: three pounds a hive. Late freeze
0: got them, yeah, didn't it? Probably did. Yeah, three
2: pounds yep. per hive, That's so What do you got?
0: Yeah. Well, I am sitting here with James Mills, and we're in. Uh, where are we at? We're somewhere on Somerset. We're
2: actually in Bronston, Kentucky, between uh, Burnside and Monticello. Yeah, a little wide place in the road. We
0: came down here a couple weeks ago for the terrier trials. That's why we're down here talking to you right now. But uh, we're going by that sign, and my wife says, uh, are we close to Monticello?
2: (laughs) It's not the Monticello that you're thinking of. It's Monticello. There's a Monticello, Utah. good friend of mine has yacht terriers. I just bred his female for him. He's raising a litter of pups in Monticello. Chad Reynolds, he's a falconer. He's got a friend named Troy Larimore and Tyler Sladen. Okay. You you probably want to do something with Tyler Sladen one of these days. He, I'm pretty sure I've seen his name
0: on uh, some of my social media stuff. I'm sure. Yeah. Uh, Which you've set this up perfectly. The reason I'm here talking to you is all about terriers. Yeah. I want to talk to you about the the Hunting Terrier Association that you're involved Mm -hmm. in. Right. And terriers are so new to me. They're, uh, it's not that I didn't know they existed. I've kind of started to, geek out a little bit on the ways they were traditionally used and more of the historical side of it right and more of a deal where i'm looking at it and wondering if i'm missing something yeah. you know missing an opportunity uh have i missed part of my journey as as a dog man and a houndsman mm-hmm. and uh they've always intrigued me we've had different uh we've had a couple jack russell terriers we had a feist uh the little dog's have always intrigued me, but, uh, I never really took a deep dive until about the last six, six months to a year looking at it. And I started watching, watching what you guys were doing with the, uh, the yogs and, and stuff like that. So can we just talk, uh, first of all, let's talk about, let's talk about the Hunting Terrier
2: Association. Okay. Well, uh, several years ago, probably almost, uh, nine years ago now, uh, there were a couple of people trying to put something together. There was a, a York Terrier Association from the 50s and 60s. The first person to ever bring these dogs into the country was a, fe- a fellow by the name of Max Teal mm-hmm. in the St. Louis area. And uh, he actually had a club associated with the German club. And they did their testing, and then they had a, a registration through the German club. Mm-hmm. And uh, so... But that kind of fell apart. Um, you know, it's a lot of miles. It's a big place. Germany. You know, at that time there were, of course, there were dogs in other countries at the time, but but most of the dogs at that time were in Germany in the '60s, early '60s. But you know, that's not a very big place. You know, and and um, they all had their local groups. You know, and so you had a local group, and and so we um, were. I mean, you know, you had people in Washington, Pennsylvania, Texas, St. Louis, and. You know, in the '60s, the communication, you know, just kind of <laughs> fell apart. You can imagine you had to write letters and newsletters. There
0: are people still getting mail delivered on by post rider in the '60s oh, in certain yeah. parts of the country.
2: Yeah, and so or seriously, down oh, in, yeah. down in, in this country, oh yeah, absolutely, oh absolutely. And uh, so, you know, that fell apart. Well, Max just kept raising the dogs, and I, and he eventually went to just a local registration. Uh, one of these I think he called it this there was a state's kennel club but it was just you know just a kennel club there were no UKC registration or no uh akc registration there's no akc registration now they're foundation stock service but but not registered through the american kennel club and so uh in the uh, you know about eight or nine years ago two or three people want to get something together and one was a fellow out of new mexico and i had to make a decision which one of those guys i was going to be with and so cody fritz and paul greenwood had a facility down there in tyler texas and so we all met down there mm-hmm. and we decided we'd start it and and they voted me in as president, and then we began holding trials. And, you know, we've got a, we've developed uh, some people like William Burns in um, um Dallas area, and just super guy, super dog guy, great gifts and good administrator. He's a vice president now. And then some folks up in the Midwest, uh, Derek Ephraimson, and they're holding a trial there in, um, over Memorial Day weekend. I'll be going up there for that. Whereabouts is that? That's in um, – Oh, it's in, I think the actual place, he's in Aberdeen, but the South Dakota. Oh, okay. But the actual place we'll be going is um, one of those uh, uh, pheasant places, you know, they have uh, lodges mm-hmm. uh, in Groton, South Dakota. Okay. I think I've been talking to David Williams some about Probably. that. Probably. He'll yeah. be there. He's, he's a vice president of that club, I think. Mm-hmm. David is, yeah. And so... You know, it's just developed from that. We have these three trials. Uh, they're they're trying to hold a trial in upstate Washington, um, or Oregon. I'm not sure. Uh, uh, I think it's Washington actually in uh, July. Okay, they're trying to hold one up there. So that'd be the fourth one if we get it held.
0: So you've got one. You've got one here in Somerset. Uh huh. You got one up in South Dakota. You've
2: Ty- got Tyler, Texas. Tyler, Texas, and then uh, Washington. It looks like we're going mm-hmm. to start that.
0: So what's the overall goal? of the organization well
2: I, I i wish i had the mission statement in front of me but but basically it means it's to um the purpose of the organization is to put the people together to maintain and develop the unique hunting qualities of the german yacht terrier and so um you know it's as much a part of uh, the people as it is a dog mm-hmm. you know the the people that are a hold of the dogs i I have a fellow that I know in these dogs, and he's not a friend at all. And you know how dogs, there's always some drama associated with it. But I send people to him just about every couple weeks to buy dogs. And um, I even tell him, I said, don't tell him I sent you. I said, because, you know, the dogs Mm -hmm. dogs don't know who owns them, you know. and, And so that's not a person I really can work with. And so this is to identify those people we can work with. The people that can work together. And it's it has such a good, uh, it's just got such a good uh, camaraderie. Uh, Mark called it down through there uh, mm-hmm. at the trial. Mark uh, was from out there in St. Louis. He's a white dog guy. He's got Jack Russell's. And he said, I like the, the," and then he used the word camaraderie. And it just, uh, you know, here I am, uh, in, we're in a church, you know, and I'm a Baptist preacher. Every church got a little spirit about them, the way they interact with one another. Right. Some are real friendly. Some are not so friendly. And uh, this is uh, it's friendly, but people are people don't care to tell you the truth, you know, and um, it's 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 people are honest and and uh, you have to be kind of thick skinned. Um, well, let me let me get back to let me get back. I'll read the mission.
0: I looked it up on your website. Okay. The mission of the American Hunting Terrier Association, the Yog Terrier Breed Club, is to provide yog Terrier breeders with the tools and knowledge to evaluate their breeding stock. Through examinations, testing, competition, in order to maintain and improve the unique, versatile hunting character of the Yog Terrier in America.
2: Right, right. And, of course, that tools, one of those words, tools there, is the individuals, the people. Mm-hmm. You know, The yeah. best thing in the world for uh, Boogie Gonzalez, for instance, down there in Texas, was to meet uh, uh, William Burns. And they just raised a litter there together and it's it's gonna be a super litter. You oh know? yeah. Yeah, the puppy was a high in trial and it, you know. So when when you talk about it's anytime
0: you get people involved, you're gonna have conflict. Oh, sure. <laughs> and we've had some and we'll have more. It doesn't it doesn't matter yeah. whether it's your Baptist church here, right, it's a, exactly. it's the Yog Terrier Association. And we always talk about that uh, in our podcast here Yes. Yeah. we've got to be able to put aside I don't agree with my wife on everything right, right I probably right. disagree with her more on things than I agree with her most of the time exactly but we've been married for 26 years we don't have any it's we've got plans for the future sure <laughs> so and if I disagree with her about something tomorrow is not going to be the the end of that right. so and I uh, what we do is so special as hunters in yeah. using hounds, and there are so many people against us. that We have to yeah. find ways We'd to better it.
2: find some points of agreement,
0: the common yeah. ground, if we want to keep it. So, yeah. So, um, is it beyond
2: just the competition side, or I mean, well, there's a competition side to it. I mean, we all like to win, but now, I, I believe everybody in the club would say. The competition is the least of it. The evaluation is much more important to us. Mm-hmm. For instance, we had—I it's kind of a funny thing, you know—I'll be judging the the hog bay. Well, a dog will uh, go in there and just maul, uh, you know, try to maul a hog and mm-hmm. and try to catch. Well, you can't do very good on points that way, right? But that's a breeding approval in a pass for us. So <laughs> what? Are, <laughs> you know.
0: So what are you looking? Uh- be I I want to speak on one thing before, you know, something you just said before I ask you this next question. But uh one thing that I noticed while I was at the uh trials uh-huh. down here a couple weeks ago is everybody was supporting each other. Yeah,
2: that's 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 the that's there the was, spirit of this club. There was some
0: dog work there that um if I was a hardcore competitor um that I wouldn't have been satisfied with. Yeah. But what you saw was you didn't see anybody sitting back going, "Oh, good, so and so's dog did." I'm going to win. Yeah. They were like, "Hey, get your dog back up there and use the opportunity." Yeah, you know, and, exactly. And, uh, it
2: it was really kind of a a, yeah. a different vibe than what I'm used to. New and, people have to be welcome, yeah, because they're just hunters sometimes, and you know, that's sometimes. Um, you know, what's what, what is their part in this club? Well, you know, some of them will, will come to a few trials and just keep on hunting, you know. But we still feel that we've identified sometimes really good dogs that we can use in what we're doing, you know. Yeah. You know, yeah. and, uh, you know, we've made a point about, for instance, the PLL, the eye point, the eye uh, disease they have. And so somebody says, well, what do I do about that? I said, here's a $40 test. You can. And so even hunters learn, well, maybe I ought not breed a blind dog. You know, and we think we've helped one another that way. That's part of that tools business. Yeah. You know. Yeah. And, of course, we want to evaluate them. Like Roach up here in northern Kentucky, well, you know, he's dog of the year. And so automatically we think, uh, well, you know, we probably need to breed to that thing. Mm-hmm. And that's what we've done, you know. And that's that's what I've done anyway. And, you know, I see him work. I see what kind of retriever he is. I see how he does in a tunnel. I see a lot of other things. And, you know, that um, the Texas trials, when we award the dog of the year, and he won a dog a year, and then I just I followed that up with a litter puppies, you know, with that dog. And, and other people have, too, and there's some good litters out there, yeah. which we never would have met Hannah. You know, a friend of mine, Hannah wanted to buy a dog off me, and I said, my friend's got a dog. Call him in Texas. He gave her the dog mm-hmm. and um, because she's a falconer and needed a dog, and he had a pup he could send, and, and she's done such a great job with it. Well, h- here she comes down to our first trial here. And I mean, just falls right in, and you know. Then now she's made every trial since then.
0: Yeah, yeah. You know, when I was at the trial, I saw, I met people from Carolinas. I met people from Iowa. I met somebody from New Mexico that right. came yeah. out here. Bork was there. Yeah. Um, you know, Texas. Right. Uh, all over. I thought I thought it was a great, great thing. So, um, let's talk about the versatility of the Terrier. Yeah. Um, it's kind of a uh, one of the things that that attracted me Mm -hmm. to the yogs, but I'm just going
2: to let you take that away. Well, they are a versatile breed. Now, by versatile breed, we believe that, and of course we test, they test in Germany in in a versatile sense, kind of. Mm -hmm. That is, the dog has to go jump in the water, Mm -hmm. okay? Has to go in a tunnel. Okay, well, that's two different things. (laughs) And, And they're evaluated differently, you know? That's natural abilities test. And then they have to do other things, too. But we believe um, that what's been handed to us as a breed now, um, and by that I mean there's individuals in this breed that can do it all. But there are some super retrievers, and I'm talking about some super retrievers. Mm -hmm. I mean, way, way up that list that might or might not be um, a ground dog. Now, when you're talking super retrievers, you're talking— Compete with Labradors on a two hundred yard blind well, retrieve. Well, Josh Fleseck there, you know, had a dog. Did you did you see Josh? Mm-mm. I you don't me- think so. You remember the real nice camper on the left? Yes. Okay, Josh Fleseck is from Minnesota, so he comes down. Mm-hmm. So three weeks before the trial, he had he was in a. Uh, he's got a dog. It's a grandson of my Az, uh, and Az was, you know. Uh, $150, $200 water retrieved into big water down here in the lake. You know, pretty good for a terrier. Yeah. I think, you know, maybe not for a big lab, but uh, he had such drive too. He just, just to drive. Well, Josh takes this little dog and enters that gun dog thing and comes in fifth in the pro division and sixth in the puppy against, you know, labs and big running labs, mm-hmm. high dollar labs. And so, no, they can't all do that. But every once in a while, show, one shows up that's, that can bump up into that. The lower levels of the better dogs. Let's put it that way. Right. I, I'm sure they're not they're not going to be American champion. Yeah, but they're they're at the lower levels of some of the better labs in the country. Mm-hmm. I would say I'd say that's a good way of putting them. But those are still pretty good dogs for a you know a 16 pound 20 pound dog. I, we think right. We think that it's the drive that's in them. You know they have such drive. I was talking to uh, Christopher Murat yesterday, and and Christopher has trained the most winning. Boykin Spaniel, the highest winning Irish Water Spaniel in history, both of them. Yeah. And he's interested in these dogs. So we're talking about, well, what is it that, you know, is this, is, are these other drives related to that? So what we think the drive, the incredible drives of the dog allows them to do all this other stuff. Can they blood trail? Yes, but it's related to that drive. Can they retrieve? Yes, but it's related to that drive. Can they bay a hawk? Yes. Can they, can they hunt coon or even squirrels? You know, we we think that those drives, the hunting drive, the prey drive, the play drive, you know, we believe those are related. And in some of these dogs, they're absolutely extreme. Absolutely extreme. Now, you add to that every once in a while. So you got these dogs that are kind of, most of them are more or less search and destroy type dogs. (laughs) You know. We're going to get there. I want to talk about that But some of them have a great tracking ability, you know.
0: That's related to drive.
2: Yeah, we think so. We think uh,
0: so. You know. We've done a ton of hound podcasts. with. uh, I was a police canine trainer, and I've talked about that. I'm just kind of telling you that. Um, And uh, Heath Hyatt is a master trainer from Virginia and doing police dogs and Homeland Security dogs and all these different things. And we have tried to find that common thread between how can you take a dog that is not um, genetically bred for uh tracking such as a labrador retriever they're not a hard but you can make them a tracking machine it always bases on drive all the selection for police dogs was based on drive so when you start talking about cold nose versus hot nose versus all this other stuff that people try to uh put reasoning around it they they Some they often miss the what's inside the dog, the drive that it Mm -hmm. takes for them to do that. There's a reason why they want to take they detect that scent and then they want to take it and they want to catch it.
2: You have to. I think some people uh, they think that, for instance, a pointing dog is doing something different than a border collie, for instance. And actually, a dog is just a dog. Mm -hmm. And so, a border collie who slips up on that and uses that strong eye, is doing the exact same thing a pointer does. Mm-hmm. And that's nothing in the world but a wild dog creeping up on an animal and getting ready to, you know, jump on it and kill it. Right. Well, those that particular behavior, of course, through breeding and training, is, is accentuated. And, and they've learned uh, to cap the drive. Yeah, yeah. But, like, if the Border Collie won't chase a, if it won't chase a calf, you know, they'll turn that bird of collie loose, and it's got to, I think when they try them, it's got to chase a cow. Mm-hmm. You know, if it won't do that. And those drives are just, if you ask me, they're just dog drives. So that means they're wild dog drives. Mm-hmm. So it's just the ability of a dog to want to chase something for prey or to play with it. And so it's so it's really a basic, basic thing. But now they have accentuated these. And selected through that through the underground work, you know, Mm -hmm. terriers in general, and these dogs, or these dogs and terriers in general.
0: I agree with you. Prey drive is a a very ancient hereditary uh, instinct in the canine. Yeah. What we have done through concentrated breeding is breed the trainability into them, where we can cap the drive. We can actually. Put it to good use. We've harnessed the energy through sure. genetics and exactly. breeding. So let's talk about the Yog Terrier and the, the absolute uh, that thing, that drive. Because if you put out there, if you went to any hunting dog group and you said, What do y'all think about Yog Terriers? Man, you start getting all kinds of, yeah. they're crazy, they're suicidal you can't control them you can't you know and then you get the other extreme of hey they're the best dogs i ever had i love them
2: yeah it it's um the young terriers uh (laughs) doug i talked to doug turner the day before yesterday and he's a lab guy and he's talking about their dogs and i was hooking him up with well christopher murat who's christopher wants to train a high level retriever Mm -hmm. and and so uh Doug put it this way, and I said, I've never heard it put that way exactly. He said, not everybody likes these dogs. But he said, I've discovered that those that don't like them, he said, I don't like them. <laughs> and so it's a certain temperament. It's a certain temperament. You know, I was trying to find a, a tree dog,
0: a squirrel yeah. dog. Yeah.
2: And I would and bred a litter. I had almost a world champion dog, I thought. I'd beat a world champion. And I bred to a world champion for sure, and one that had raised world champion. But Feist are crossbred. Mm-hmm. You know, they're just no telling what. So I bred it and, and kept eight puppies. Don't tell Feist breeders that. Oh well. Uh, <laughs> now the real American hunting, uh, the American Feist Association, they'd ask them the 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 com- they were pretty good people. You'd ask them the difference between a Feist and a Cur. Yeah. They'd say, "How far the dog runs a deer." that's the only difference that's the only thing i'd say because they knew they were crossbred yeah and so i said well purebred dog so i got a hold of jim glover he said oh they're the most tree-minded dog ever was well he hunted in a pecan orchard Mm -hmm. that's not a test of tree ability right because they can see it at any time a little low spreading trees and he kills was he from georgia He's from uh, Pasadena, Texas. Okay. yeah, and, um, But they have the same thing as they have in Georgia. Holy you know, cow. Those,
0: those, little... those, pe- those pecan orchards down there, a squirrel can actually timber from tree to tree down those rows of trees when they're not pruned back. You know. And when the leaves are off, it's like being in a city park. If well, you, you don't get a, need a tree if, dog to do if that. If you can't get a young dog started treeing yeah. and barking up in a pecan orchard, that's right. You got the wrong dog.
2: I've noticed these falconers do really well getting tree dogs together too, because you know, you get a squirrel chased around the top of a tree mm-hmm. by a hawk for twenty minutes. The dog's going crazy on the ground, and wow. it soon learns up something's up there. Yeah, and and the squirrel hunters or the falconers they they almost always make a tree dog out of a dog. Yeah, almost always. Yeah. And uh, But they, uh, but those extreme drives, uh, Jay Wallop says they, they're they good at this, they're good at this, they're good at this, they're good at this, but they're the best at getting killed mm-hmm. because they can do things. Well, I had a friend that, that uh, one chased a goose in water. Mm-hmm. That's all it did. But it drank so much water as it was trying to chase that goose. It died of water intoxication. Mhm. It died by thinning its blood down. So, you know, these are like, uh, I had a friend that used to race, a, uh, he'd work all week long on a, uh, uh, I think he had a Camaro. He'd go run it on Friday night. He'd run from the police and he'd run here. Yeah. And, you know, a hot rod car is, is, is a wonderful thing. And these little <laughs> dogs are hot rods, some of them. Right. And uh, some of them are. We're, we're developing some dogs. There's a few lines that are coming up with a little bit of an off switch. You know, quite a bit of an off switch. They sit there in the kennel, and just look at you. Mm-hmm. But now some of them don't. You know, and and uh, so. But the problem with that hot rod car is, <laughs> it'll get you hurt or call right. a wreck if you're not careful. Right. And uh, but there's nothing like. One yeah. of those cars, <laughs> you dream about it. You lay awake at night and dream about that 64 Camaro you had when you were a boy, you know, and yeah. how fast it was. And these little dogs too, you, you lay, aw- you, <laughs> and sometimes it's nightmares, but you lay awake and dream about them. You know, you think, man, look what that dog just did. There's a little red dog swam at big water down there in Tuscumbia, Alabama. There's a big river through there. And, um, the hog hit the water and a little Momo dog did too. And it swam at big water. Mm-hmm. I mean, it just not, it just doesn't happen. Yeah. You know, but, it, and they got to the other side, the hog was wore out and the dog was wore out. It took them 45 minutes to get around. They could hear it bark every once in a while. And they, they went over there and got their dog back, you know. But, right. And, but the, you know, you can get in trouble with that too. You know, yeah. They. Uh, How do people get in trouble with it? Well, the dogs can get themselves in trouble is what I mean. Mm-hmm. They get down a hole, don't no one come back out. Well, let's talk you about. You know, and can hurt themselves yeah. that way or, or just go hunting and never come back. hmm I mean, uh, Doug uh, told me, I was, I was telling him, his dog was gone. I said, now, don't give up for seven days, seven full days. The dog just ended up gone. He let it out, and it was just out running around, running rabbit. Well, it hit some kind of a track mm-hmm. and disappeared, fox track, something like that, seven days later. You know, these are hunting dogs. Right. They'll go hunting, you know. So how much responsibility falls on the hunter, though? Oh, always, always a lot. You have to be, that's why we, you know, that's why I never advertise. I never advertise a puppy. It's a crazy thing to do to advertise these dogs because somebody will say, hey, I want one. And you, people need to kind of, I just let people self-select. Mm-hmm. You know, they got to hunt me down, find out what I got, find out what these dogs are. and By the time they get to me, they don't ask me, uh, well, have they had shots or have they been wormed? You know, that kind of thing. Right. They they know who I am. They know what these dogs are. They know what they're kind of halfway capable of. And, um, you know, by then, by then they've seen a few and, um, uh, somebody's told him about William Burns or me or mm-hmm. somebody else that does breeding, you know, and, and, and then we can kind of fill them in now, you know, because these dogs came over with a lot of dog aggression. They did. And, um, I don't know if the Germans were that heavy handed as trainers or the Serbians were that heavy handed as trainers. But I mean, they, uh, the Serbians would get on the Americans and say, ah, oh, you Americans and. The Germans would say, (laughs) and I think, well, I've had dogs from Yugoslavia, the Czech Republic, Serbia, Croatia. I've seen dogs from Macedonia, the Ukraine, Slovakia, Slovenia, uh, who knows, several more countries. And, you know, you better be careful, you know. Um let's talk let's let's go there. Let's talk about that where these dogs came from.
0: Well we've never uh, we're kind of bouncing around a little yeah, bit, but yeah, I yeah. I wanna I want to uh we've got an idea here what we're dealing with. We're talking about yog terriers yes, primarily. Yes. Um
2: well, well here's what a yog terrier is. Here's what a terrier is. In in England in the late eighteen hundreds, any little dark colored dog around the farmstead was a terrier. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They all were. There were no Sky Terriers and Jack Russell Terriers in the early, late, mid mid to late 1800s. They They're just all little dogs. You go to a dog show, there'd be six or eight classes of dogs, Terriers and Hounds and a few more. Right. So, of course, every local little area started developing their little Terriers. Sky Terrier, Patterdale Terrier a little later. Different terrier, uh, Paterdale Terrier is more of a modern thing. So, by the 20s, there was a Black and Tan Terrier, there was a Fox Terrier, and there were a few more Border Terriers maybe. hmm and so um, in Germany, um, a man by the name of Lutz Heck was a Nazi uh, government official mm-hmm. and head of uh, the zoos. And so they were all, you know, they hunted. Uh, Ermann Goering had a hand in this. Ermann Goering, the head of the German Luftwaffe, uh, was a big hunter. Mm-hmm. And so... Uh, to, they came up with the idea of some breeding projects. One, they were going to breed back a cow, back to the original Oroch, a horse, back to a, an original European horse. And these terriers became a German terrier when a litter was born that was black and tan. Of course, they'd been dark before. yeah. But fox terriers at that point were still hunting dogs, but they weren't black. Mm-hmm. You know. So they had a litter of four, born Morla, Nigra, we're, Werewolf, and Rylegraf. Four dogs. They were black and tan. And so all Terriers usually go back to those four dogs. Yeah. They're black and tan. Uh, Zangenberg and Lackner were their brains behind it. They had 800 dogs in a state breeding project at one time. Now, say those names again. Those were the guys that were heading up the project. Zangenberg and Lackner were the brains. Lutz Heck was the government. He was the Nazi government lackey. And what year would this have been? Well, they were... um, they were they kind of finished their project and introduced these docs to the public in 1927. It was in the middle between the wars, as German nationalism was coming to the forefront after World War One, and German it's all a German. They the idea was anything German is better than anything anything right. else, and you right. know Germans still believe that. <laughs> you know they do, and you yeah. know they they got some good points about most everything they do, and so then they did all that testing program. They uh, they. Uh, imported um, a welsh champion a welsh terrier champion which is a little black and tan terrier yeah. right now there's the unisfer pack and I, I don't know if that's in wales or scotland but it, it there, I, there's an old book from the 30s called hunt and working terries by elder i believe it is and uh, you look at those unisfer fox terriers well, they're black and tan. They look just like elk terriers. They look mm. just like them. So they share similar blood with all the fox terriers and welsh terriers. They go right back to that. And so they were introduced in Germany in the '27. Of course, you can imagine what happened during the war. You know, uh, they, but they were still kept and held by hunters. Mm-hmm. As late as the early 90s, nobody had them but just old uh, forestmeisters and hunters and, and jaegermeisters, masters. you know. Early 90s, 1990s? Yes, I would call Germany in the '90s. Spricken Sie Englisch, click. Yeah, Sprick, You know they. you But then, you know, by the time we we started developing a little communication with internet and so forth, um, well, then you know, Katie barred the door. Mm-hmm. You know, it it became much more widespread in the other countries, in Europe. And, uh, of course, we'd had dogs here since the 48, 1948, 47, 48. We had yogs here. Since, yes, Max yeah. Teal had come over with them. Okay. And, you know, occasionally another one get it. He imported most of them. But there was an Abe, Abe, I forget his name, but he, he, he must have had uh, some financial means. It looks like he'd brought several dogs over. Mm-hmm. and uh, But it was through Max. Max was the the brains behind that. I talked to Max. I was going to get a dog from him in the mid-90s. And, um, but he died before it happened. He died before uh, I got a dog from him. So the foundation of this this breed is the fox terrier. It is a fo- They are fox terriers. Yeah. Uh, with, a, you know, Welsh terrier. But at that point, there with was a a shot very of... little difference between a Welsh terrier and a fox terrier.
0: With a shot of nitrous oxide.
2: Well, a <laughs> shot of Nazi. <laughs> uh,
0: well, so as we... L- Got into the 1990s. You said a lot of these dogs
2: were still over in Germany, yeah,
0: or just a few here in the states. Tell yeah. us where they've come since the 1990s.
2: Well, that's 32 see, years. See, in back. the 90s, and, and even before that, before um, they would test these dogs by putting them down a tunnel, and they would go back in the in a tunnel, and there would be a fox back in there or a badger. Mm-hmm. They just open the door, they just run through there and grab the fox or the badger. Well, we know, you know, that's not something that's acceptable, most people don't, I wouldn't really want my dogs, I mean, it's not a really one, I just don't want my dogs doing that, you know, yeah. a badger, because a badger's going to do some real damage to a dog, and I'm not going to hunt badgers, and and uh, so, but as animal rights laws changed, that stopped happening, and the versatile, the versatile side seems to have expanded, mm-hmm. you know, and they have become better, better, mm-hmm. They called them turfters back then. Uh, they were just chase. They just chase a wild boar. It's going yeah. and find a wild boar and just chase it mm-hmm. and chase it to the gun. Well, you know, in America, you you can't just chase it to the gun. You've got to uh, you got to find it, right? And track it
0: and bay it. Well, maybe you we're know. not ready to go here. What did the original uh, after 1927 and? Before Max Teal brought them here, what were they using these dogs for in the well, old country? Well,
2: there's a there's a in at Princeton University. I'd like to get up there. There's four um, there's four uh, uh, picture albums, and they were gifts from Luke's Heck to Hermann Göring. And there's a picture that I saw of two York Terriers sitting on the back of this big German touring car, hog hunting. Really? So they hog hunted. Yeah. They turf. That is, that they would chase the hogs through the woods, and somebody come by, and they'd shoot the hog. Mm-hmm. And they're still, they still do that over there. Um, but uh, you know, hunting situations have changed. You, you you have to have a dog that can find an animal, locate it, track it, bay it. So it's a little different animal now. Yeah, uh, like one of those search and destroy dogs would be fine. And so they've changed just a bit. But then they used them in the ground to hunt fox. Mm-hmm. You know, and uh, you'll see them in Spain now course the foxes and lambs even in spain and you know you have to protect your lambs and so they'll put them in big hay bales or in the ground and out will run this red fox and the farmer will shoot the red fox looking for the bolt yeah and um so that's uh you know they're used for that Mm -hmm. uh and and uh all over for foxes you know Mm -hmm. all all over for foxes but then they use them to, to track uh wounded game that's a big part of these dogs to track wounded game. Today. Yes, yes. In Europe and here. There's okay. a lot of track, a lot of dogs. Um, there's a book called uh, 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 Hunting Dogs or Dogs for Finding Wounded Game, Tracking Dogs for Finding Wounded Deer or something like that. Mm-hmm. John Janani wrote the book. He's got a, a section on every dog. The lady whose dog was in that forever was Sage. The Yog Terrier yeah. representative, but now she's got a dog from me out of as, my, my old Az dog. But, you know, good trackers, lots of drive. Uh, some are not very deliberate. But again, you have to have the kind of person, personality who can deal with a dog. Dennis Redden over here has one in mm-hmm. Western Kentucky. He's a great tracking dog and a squirrel dog. I don't know how that's going to go together when he starts tracking <laughs> deer and the squirrels start running across. But uh, he's got a really good dog. I, th- I think it's possible. It is. If you, if you, do, uh, a lot do, do, of times when you put that harness on, their mind changes. Gear association is what's what, that, what yeah. that's called. And uh, you're just going to have to have enough reward at the end of that blood track. Yep. You know, yep. you're going to have to have enough reward. They're going to have to enjoy that as much as they do enjoy that squirrel.
0: That's right. Yeah. You I've know. told this story before on the podcast, but, uh, you know, when we would bring our dogs out, that dog, my my working dog basically had three jobs, people tracking, evidence tracking, Collection, yeah, and uh, uh, contraband—you know, contraband indication. You oh know, yeah, yeah, detection work. Yeah, yeah. So, and each each one of those jobs required a different piece of equipment that was key to the, getting that getting mindset that dog in the right. Mindset, yep. Yep. When absolutely, when they felt the harness go on, they knew they weren't looking for. Uh, guns. They knew that they were going to track. Yeah. You know, it wouldn't say that they wouldn't stop and indicate on a
2: gun. Sure. Oh, absolutely. Going down the track, but their primary focus was boom right here. Um, I just, I just read an article last week. They had found somebody, they went to the last, they, they, they had hunted with a a shepherd and a yacht terrier and they did time about time about and, and they got to the end of it kind of, and they just didn't have any more dog. The dogs Mm -hmm. were just done. And so they, you know, marked spot somebody else came in I think through the night or early the next day and they found that person within 150 yards right but they they're tracking people with a yog terrier you know I believe you know. it. you know they're, they're, that was they, the number they have one thing. A good
0: nose that's what we tested for we, we didn't care what breed it was oh yeah we're looking for that drive we're looking for that and one thing that I noticed um uh, in my short yog terrier career so far uh the pup that I got from you that dude would chase a ball anywhere. If I I could throw it under a building, I could throw it in the building. I could throw it, you know, throw it behind the couch. I mean, his drive to yeah. to to find that is was what was uh, was so amazing yeah, to me. Yeah,
2: that, that was a good litter. I tell you, I I uh, I, um, I still have one of those females to go to Derek up there in North Dakota. But um, Might try to talk you out of it here. Yeah, well, let go to Derek. You have to talk to Derek. If Derek <laughs> says yes, if you get on the phone and get him to say yes, you can have it. I'd be glad to get rid of it. I'll tell you, it barked all night at the house last night.
0: And we'll pick up that conversation right after this announcement. I've got a really cool thing coming out for you here, folks. So we have partnered with Go Wild to give away a Dakota 283 G3 medium kennel. If you haven't checked out Dakota 283, you can go to their website and check out the G3 medium kennel. Man, this thing is super. I've had one for the last couple years. It's a great kennel to have. I put it in the back of the side-by-side. I can put it in the back of uh, my truck. If I don't feel like loading the dog box, I'm telling you, I think it's crash-proof. But at any rate, hey, here's how you get entered to win. If you have not done so already, you can go to time to go wild. I'm going to put the link in the show notes down here. Make sure you check out those show notes, but it's time to go wild.com set up an account. Okay. I'm seeing several of you coming over there and we're all growing that community in the houndsman community over there and we're posting some cool stuff and those guys want you there. They're not going to censor you. They're not going to. Restrict your account. My re- account is still restricted. I'm restricted for like another 24 days or something because I posted something that the fact checkers thought was inappropriate. You can hear that whole story in a past podcast. So go to Go Wild and register for an account. Once you're in Go Wild, listen to the Houndsman XP podcast and then log your time as listening to the Houndsman XP podcast on Go Wild. Go Wild is going to keep track of all of that. We're going to put this thing all in a drawing. We're going to draw it July 1st, and we are going to drop ship it straight to your house out of all the people that are listening to the Houndsman XP podcast and log in their time on Go Wild. Go Wild is a social media platform designed by hunters for us, hunters, fishermen, All that stuff. And when you record that time, when you log that time, or you make a post, you build up points to get rebates on their gear that you can shop for on the same platform. So I just posted a deal. I I bought a um, Vortex Venom red dot sight for a pistol. I paid $109 less than manufacturer's suggested retail price, and I got free shipping. So check out GoWild.com. Log those hours that you're listening to this podcast. You earn stuff when you do it. It's no-brainer, folks. Check them out at timedogowild.com or you can download the app from your app store, Go Wild. Don't be pushing that fast-forward button. I got one more thing for you. You need to check out Dogs Are Treat. Just go to dogsartreed.com. All the best gear that you can possibly buy for your hounds is available at dogsartreed.com. Premium tieouts, leashes, paws are protected, dogs are hydrated. It's all right there at dogsartreed.com. And we just launched our new hats on our site over there. And it'll all ship right from Dogs Artreed. And at checkout, enter the promo code HXP20% off. You'll get 20% off your order. Dogsartreed.com. Check it out. And I feel sick about losing mine because I feel,
2: I feel responsible. I was the caretaker. I knew that that dog had that. They can move so quickly. They can get underneath those, you know, they can get themselves. I ran
0: over him in the driveway. Yeah, I know. They can
2: get get underneath things so quickly.
0: I never even saw him. Yeah. So when I'm driving from the barn down to where my wife parks, I've got a Building there. It's a summer kitchen, is what it was was originally a blacksmith shop, but uh, it's a summer kitchen. I do all my work out there for the podcast and different things like that. I didn't even notice the door was open. I'd lost track of Krieger. I actually assumed, which is always dangerous, that my wife had him in the house. And I'm going down through there, never saw him, felt it. And I was like, I know what that was. Yeah.
2: looked in the side can happen mirror they're so fast they're yep. so and and who knows why it dashed underneath the tires of your car it might have might have been chasing the tire <laughs> you yeah, just never exactly. know they uh he had a car fetish yeah they love it they love
0: anything moving yeah I had uh, to really I was I was actually working on him I'd wait for the mail driver to come through every day yeah. and I'd just sit there with him on a check cord and uh, <laughs>
2: just wait and just uh, try to
0: redirect that energy away
2: from that my dog would try to jump out the front door. So I've spent I don't know how many times just I'd go through the front door and come back. Go through the front door and come back. Yeah. You can't because you know if he runs out that front door without you without a leash on, you know, and then he sees something. He's gone. We you know he's gonna go hunting Yeah. So let's get back to, let's um talk about the the
0: versatility and the use of what you're seeing in the Yogs yeah. today.
2: Well, you know there's a guy like William Burns in uh a uh, Texas there close to the uh uh Dallas area. So he 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 guided this last year with Rufus. Rufus a great dog out of our club. And Rufus um probably probably retrieved seven hundred and twenty five quail. You know. No kidding. Yeah,
0: yeah. Now is he is he taking that dog out and he's a guide. But is he using it guy. like as a side he's using kick? it to flush and to retrieve. So he's using it just like a, a flush dog and a retriever. Dog. Yeah. He can take push. Rufus, go out to quail country, take a hun-
2: pointer. Hun- he takes a pointer yeah. too. Okay. Yeah. And so he uh and 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 you know that's what Josh Fleesic's Fleechick's doing too, you know, with that dog, the one that won that thing out there. He's using it as a flushing dog. Mm-hmm. Flushing dog and a retriever, you know. And you know, that seems to be well Tyler Sladen, the same thing. He has pointers and then he flushes either with a little spaniel or with a york terrier, and has a hawk. So he, the the bird dog might point 800 yards from him. Yeah. And so they go and and go to it, flush it up. The bird flies it down. So he's a he's a yeah he's a flusher, but not a retriever. Yeah. Okay. No, not with a bird. I mean, he's a good little retriever. Now. Yeah. I'm not. Don't, but now you don't. When you have a bird, you don't retrieve, of course. He's a falconer. Yes, he is. Okay. So, but he hunts a lot of ways too. He also gotcha. hunts he also hunts with a gun, you yeah. know, and when he does that he flushes with it. He probably didn't take the hawk when he's got the gun.
0: No, no. no.
2: <laughs> <laughs> the old timers around here, they you know quail hunters around here, old timers with a the gun. They 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 ooh boy, they don't they, they don't like, you know. Yeah. I love a hawk. I love watch that falconry. That's just wonderful stuff. Yeah. These dogs, uh, Goron Kanatic was an. Er- he had a lot of dogs that ended up in the states. Um, he was in Oakville, Ontario, Canada, and he was a falconer. He had an old dog named Boris. He kept till it was at least thirteen or fourteen years old. Really good blood, and he would f- he did falconry work with that dog. So, with
0: anything. Uh, we've already talked about the drama that people can bring. Um, are you worried about the breed of dogs becoming too popular, attracting the wrong people? That how do you how do you control that part of your mission statement for the hunting yeah. versatility of the dog? Well, how do you guard against that? How do you guard against them from becoming? A house dog, lap dog, well, some of the things we've seen with some of the other great hunting breeds.
2: There's a dog, uh, there's a book called This is the Dachshund, 1961 version. And it's talking about what was happening with the Dachshund being hunting dogs or and going into show dogs or whatever. Mm-hmm. And he said, uh, you can't control the people. As long as there's people, you can't control that. What's going to ruin a dog is when there's no longer any work to do. Mm -hmm. As long as there was work to do for a dachshund, a working dachshund, then, you know, there would be somebody using them for the right thing. Yeah. And they would develop and they would still be hunting dogs. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, like, for instance, the Airedale. And there's still probably some pretty good Airedales around. But at one time, you know, they were mountain lawn dogs and bear dogs. Right. But the work for them to do was kind of replaced by hounds and other dogs. Mm -hmm. uh, and And so they, you know... And these little dogs, as long as you can use them to find vermin, you mm-hmm. know, critters, they're going to maintain, I think, that, somewhere or another, that drive, you know, because there'll be somebody who's working those dogs that way. And, uh, but and but at the same time, you know, there's going to be people from the UK, AKC. I mean, I get calls all the time. I need one that's, you know, looks like this dog. Well... He's got a picture of Rex of Best. Rex of Best won 140-some-odd exhibitions in Europe. You know, there aren't a handful of dogs that look like that. So I knew what they wanted. They wanted a show dog. Right. And, you know, called Nenad. There's a lady called Nenad over there. She has a Von Kleinem Flus. Uh, and they're beautiful dogs. Uh-huh. They're beautiful dogs. And they actually hunt hogs, too. But it, they're not something I want. Uh, you know, I want a, a little different dog than they have. And, I, I, and, and you know... I even told my buddy Jay Wallop in Lamarck Tech, I said, you know what, I'm going to have to try one of those. <laughs> just just because they are such good looking. But they, somebody called and they wanted AKC Register, which is, doesn't exist. And uh, 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 and they wanted to be so-and-so, you know, highly angulated and so forth, mm-hmm. animated. So they're wanting a show dog. And right. so, you know, most of us won't sell to people like that. But people like that are going to get dogs. And there's, one nothing, there's nothing you can do to control them. There's going to be people with big setters and that big flowing coat. But there's people like Tyler Sladen that's taking Kira, his dog, out there in the desert Mm -hmm. and finding them Montezuma Montezuma quail, and them scale quail, and taking them to Wyoming and finding whatever they find up there. Yeah. You know, so as long as there's work to do and hunting to be done, these dogs, there'll be some hunting dogs that are Terriers, And we hope, we hope that those will be dogs that are in our club.
0: Okay. So you mentioned something there uh, about AKC, Uh, obviously. There is, AKC does not
2: recognize the Yog Terrier? They're, they're, they're in, the way they go through a process is... Um, <laughs> but currently you, they don't. Uh, they, they start with a thing called Foundation Stock Service. Mm-hmm. And so the, it's kind of an open book at that point, And they, right. they allow the entry of some dogs. And at one point, they'll kind of close all that up. They have to have a parent club before they ever actually can be full representation. We don't know that we want to be that club. Right. Um, you know, one of those Jack Russell Terrier Club, it's split right down the middle. And one went with the AKC and one went over here. And I think it's the Jack Russell Terrier Club of America that is separate from the AKC. You can
0: say the same thing about a black and tan coonhound. Yeah. The the right. original
2: AKC, right. black and tan
0: coonhound, long-eared, sloppy. And then you've got the, the hunting. UKC type dog. UKC you know. hunting black and tan. You know, the, the, as long really as different. there's
2: a hunting registry i think there'll be some hunting dogs like mm-hmm. this including terriers yeah you know and i mean the jack russell people there's a lot of play events you know and we we enjoy those play events too you know we do a little lure course every once in a while things like that but uh, we want to know if they'll track and tree they have to to, be, go, to pass our breeding approval program they have to fine game you know the american tree and Fice association was you had to take it and find a squirrel right if it go find a squirrel, you know, mm-hmm. at least you got a squirrel dog. Well, when they when the uh
0: books were still open on some of the other coon hound breeds, I remember I got a an English hound single registered at one time, and one of the qualifications was they had to go tree a raccoon. Yeah. There yeah. had to be some hunting ability there. Sure. It wasn't just like, hey, you got a speckled dog. It looks like an English dog. Sure, we'll take your money. You had
2: to you had yeah. to
0: uh, meet certain criteria through performance.
2: Now, our our dogs, like for instance, they have to find game, but it doesn't matter what game they find. <laughs> they can go flush quail. Yeah, they can flush. You know, yeah. they can find a raccoon. They can track a deer. Yeah, you know, they can go find a hog. They can find a possum or even an armadillo. Currently, you
0: know. is there any record keeping on these bloodlines? Because you
2: you you've got them up here. We have a we have a registry in our club. We have eighteen hundred dogs in our club. Mm-hmm. And see a lot of these dogs come over with papers, you know, maybe a an export pedigree and nobody cares to get them registered with the UKC and then a couple of generations later you know you're in trouble. And um but we we update, we keep it all updated. We have 1800 dogs in the registry. We have it online. Um and uh so we have we have pretty good records of it mm-hmm. so far. And then, of course there's another registry called the uh uh German Yorkshire Registry Sharon Jones out there. Okay. Jack and Sharon Jones in Tunis, Missouri, something mm-hmm. like that. You know, they they keep, but now their their dogs are, are, um, from their pedigrees they they're coming down from Max Teal's dogs mostly, and they're adding a few dogs in that, but not a lot. And describe, so they have basically the same dogs once you get past a certain level.
0: Describe. Uh, you've touched on it a couple times. You talked about the, the show dog from Germany that they hunted hogs with. And you said that wasn't their style of dog. Yeah. Uh, your style, your style of dog. Yeah. Tell me, tell me as the, the president of this organization, uh, somebody that came to me, a name that came, you came to me, uh, referred to me as the person to talk to about York Terrier's. What kind of dog does James Mills
2: want to well, keep? Well, I, I look at FCI-103 as a standard. It describes a dog. Now, I want a dog. What's FCI-103? What it is, is it? the standard that describes the international uh, – FCI is Fédération Sinologique Internationale. It is the worldwide dog. I'm learning stuff Yeah, it's FCI. All the European dogs are FCI registered dogs. Almost all those clubs are recognized by the FCI. Well, they all go by the same standard. They make their little tweaks too. But now here's the problem with a show dog. Mm -hmm. It's like with show cattle. There's a standard to describe it, but people like an extreme dog. Mm -hmm. They want a dog at the top of that standard with angulation that's uh, exaggerated. Mm-hmm. Well, I don't want that. I want a dog that's in the middle. I want a dog 15 inches tall. I want, uh, I want a nice head on the dog if it's a male, mm-hmm. but I don't want it exaggerated. I need bone, but I don't want it too much. I want angulation, but I want, I don't want it over-angulated. You know, I just want the dog that's being described and I want the one that's at the top of that bell curve. That's the, 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 the common dog. That is the, the dog that's that it's supposed to be. Mm-hmm. Now I have some dogs that are toward the bottom of the size standard, and I have um, I have had dogs at the top. a uh, uh, Jason Schweitzer. Uh, we use dogs at the bu- but we w- the only tweak we made is at our club was to change the fault of the of oversized and undersides from a disqualifying fault to just a plain fault. Mm-hmm. In other words, we believe that these dogs should be in this range. But there's some people that need a they need a little bigger dog. They think. Yeah. And if you dig in the ground. You need a little smaller dog. Right. And so we breed, you know, I want my dogs to be from 13 to 16 inches tall. And if it's a right in the middle, I'm I'm just happy. Right. You know? And so um, if I need a dog for in the water, you know, in, in rough water, I'm probably wanting a, a little bigger dog in that. And, you know, but if I'm in the ground, I want one down to the bottom of that 13, 13 inches and, and it may be even less. What is the breed standard for males? 13, well, it's, it's 30. 3 centimeters to 40 centimeters, which is roughly 16 inches down to 13 inches. Mm -hmm. Rough figures on the top. Almost exactly on the bottom. uh, 13 inches. So, but if you breed a 13-inch dog...
0: male and female.
2: Yes. But if you breed a 13-inch dog, and they have a size standard, but Mm -hmm. those are basically meaningless. The the, uh, weight. I was going to go with weight. uh, The weight, they say like 22 to 24, maybe even less. But weight is so variable from dog to dog. Mm -hmm. You know, when JoJo showed up at my house... Uh, he weighed 14 pounds, mm-hmm. you know, and, but, you know, he could just easily weigh 17 pounds, you know, if a little weight on him. And, and so, you know, there's dogs up around 30, but I tell you, every once in a while, you'll breed, we bred a 30 pound dog to a 30 pound dog, my ass to another female that was mm-hmm. right at the same height. And there's a dog out of that, that in heavy weight, weighed 55 pounds. So there's still some genetic, pliability on the upper end anyway yeah and we don't want to breed dogs that big in our club right but now somebody probably has dogs and they think they need a dog that big we don't think most of the club doesn't think we need a dog that big i don't
0: think the world's safe with a 55 pound yog running around this yog
2: terrier uh was in my yard and if i didn't know better that i had bred the dog in my backyard i would have swore that that was about a half lab because he was big as a lab you know, and I've known a lot of labs that didn't weigh 55 pounds.
0: He could he could extirpate whole species of animals from region. Yeah, he had a big old head, and
2: he's up there at Sean O'Neill's now. No telling what he's going to get into up there. Um, but now I have a friend that's going to use him for a bear hunting and hog hunting down yeah. here. Going to breed breed to him probably, um, and you know, um, but now a little digger. He, weighed, he was right in the middle of that standard. Mm-hmm. He was just perfect, you know, size dog looking, you know, just exactly what I'd want. Yeah. Had a head yeah. just right. Bone was medium, uh, which made him quick. You know, uh, if he's really, really heavy bone, he won't be as quick. If he's light right. boned, he won't be as sturdy. Mm-hmm. So we want him quick and sturdy and um, could run all day. You know, a seven, eight hours on a bear. Right. He caught 200 bear, you know, and there's a lot of hounds that haven't caught 200 bear, you know, he caught 200 bear. Right and uh, Mr. Jimmy Gibbs is in Coos Bay, Oregon. He had Digger, and he has, and and that's the kind of dog he's going to run. He's going to run a dog, that will run a bear down. You know. Yeah. You know. Are they pretty hardy? Are they pretty hardy? Pretty healthy? They are healthy dogs. The only thing genetically is one little eye thing. Every once in a while, you'll hear a a, a, a little bit about a heart murmur. Uh huh. And, uh, some of Max Teal's dogs are early on because, well, to be honest, they, there weren't very many of them and then they crossbred and then they back, back, back. If you look at those pedigrees out of Max's stuff, you know, you'll see these four dogs, these four, 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 you know, all the way back here in seventh generation, they're all the same dogs, mm-hmm. you know? And, um, so that you could see where a heart murmur might be. Um, uh, and, um, so there's that, but that's only two things you see. They're very hardy. I, I had one die in my arms at 15, had one die at 13. Uh, if they don't get in trouble health-wise and make it to about 8 or 9, mm-hmm. where they get halfway semi-retired, <laughs> they yeah. might live to 15. Yeah. But uh, uh, that, see, this eye thing in Germany, they used lot in the ground a lot back then. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, it's dangerous work in the ground on a badger or a fox. It's yeah. dangerous stuff. So we, they were losing dogs at 5 and 6 and 4 and 5. And, um, well... You know that eye thing doesn't show up till about five or six. Right. So you know then once they got away from that kind of work and they started living a little longer. What's started, the eye, what's the eye? Thing? It primary lens luxation. It's just a, a simple little test. Forty bucks. There's a recessive and a a mutated a, a mutated gene which is recessive, and so if you test your dogs, the the international regulations are. Be sure one of your dogs is clear. So for a $40 test, you'll make sure you never breed a dog that will go blind from primary lens luxation. The lens twists sideways and they lose the eye,
0: mm-hmm.
2: you know, and, and, uh, some people aren't, still aren't paying attention to it. And, you know, uh, I had a guy call me from, uh, and it cost him $2,000 to have that eye put it, uh, taken out out there in California. Mm-hmm. Then the other one went out and so he lost, you know, the dog was completely blind. Right. And so for $40, that breeder could have said, well, hey, these are both carriers. Maybe I'll breed wow. to another dog, you know. Say what it's called again. Primary Lens Luxation, PLL. Real common in terriers, uh, bull terriers, it's very prevalent. Hmm. I don't know what the percentage is in terriers. I've tested 48 dogs, and I've had about three or four carriers, mm-hmm. you know, over the years.
0: So if they've got that gene. You don't breed it to another dog it. it's got it. Would you breed it at
2: all? oh yeah, f c i says you'll get in trouble reducing your genetics. You breed it, mm-hmm. you know there's nothing wrong with breeding it. Uh, but and in our club you 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 can breed it, mm-hmm. and in any club, German club, any of other clubs, you can breed it, but you can't breed it to another dog with that gene, okay? you know. And so, you know, you always want to, you want your stud dogs to be clear, you know. And right. usually I just, rather than get in trouble, as puppies, I send, send them in. And I th- before I ever get emotionally committed, I try to figure out which ones are clear, hmm. you know, for 40 bucks, Yeah. you know. Why not? Well, yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: One thing I saw while I was at the trials, and, uh, you know, it's the American Hunting Terrier Association, Yog Terrier Chapter,
2: Yeah, the Yog Terrier Breed Club, right.
0: Right, Yog Terrier Breed Club. Is there a. a, Are you guys operating under American Hunting Terrier Association? That's just the name
2: of our one club. Okay. Okay. It's just uh, Dash. It's also known as the Yog Terry Breed Club.
0: Okay. One thing one thing I saw while I was at the at the trials was the inclusiveness. I yeah. saw Patterdale's. I yeah. saw I saw Dachshund's there. Yeah, I saw we borders.
2: Want, some of our trials we open up like that. Now uh-huh. our, our national trial down there where the national championship is we don't really have time for that. Mm-hmm. But you know, a lot of people have more than one dog.
0: And that's gonna be in Tyler, Texas. Tyler, Texas yeah. in
2: October. Right. Twelfth, thirteenth, fourteenth, I think. Hog Bay National Championship. Right. You know. And so, um, um, but you know, hunting terriers are hunting terriers and it's the same mindset. Lynn McPherson comes out of Senatobia, Mississippi. She's got the same mind. Well, she actually has a Yog terrier, but she's rescuing it, trying to find a home for it. We may have found a home yesterday, as a matter of fact. Yeah. So, um, you know, and a good Patterdale and a good Jack Russell, there's a lot of the same mentality, you know, mm-hmm. and, um, had two guys there from England, you know, and, right. and they know they, you know, they had, um well it had a lot of lakelands is what they had in mm-hmm. england you know uh, johnny broadhurst he's written a book terriers and terrier men 1 and 2 great right. books on terriers and it's and he's got a yacht terrier you know but he's got a border section mm-hmm. Airedale section you know yep. just everything and there's a lot of the same thing you know they're, 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 they they uh, they 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 have a lot of the same concerns yeah i am going to talk to john here in the f- near future
0: about the traditional uses of the terrier in England Oh, he's great. And, and let him cover that part. As we, as we wrap this thing up, how do, how do we keep the hunting traits in these dogs? Um, not allow them to become a, a fad breed or, yeah. or something like that. I, I, when I called, you and I talked to David, and I've talked to a few other people. You know, I almost felt like, "Why do you want one?" You know, my first reaction was, "I've always wanted one. <laughs> yeah. I've always wanted one." Well, that's not the
2: reason. Why that... is it your president? And
0: and now that I've got <laughs> now that I've gotten more into it and done more research, I'm I'm starting to question whether I really need one or not. Yeah. Um, whether I really should have one. Uh, digging a Yog Terrier out of the ba- out of a creek bank at three in the morning. I don't... David
2: I, David dug one out for nine hours. Yeah, I know. On a on a porcupine.
0: Yes. On a porcupine. So you have to do all the work, dig them out, and then you got to pull quills. Yeah.
2: Bang. That sounds yeah. like a lot of fun. That's not... I've never had the porcupine thing, but now like uh, <laughs> Jake Babb down in Ozona, Texas. Yeah. Man alive. I reckon there's everywhere. He sends pictures regularly with just a big face full of quills. It's just... Whew. Yeah, that's not something I'd enjoy. But well, we just, I, I don't know. It's just something they don't. You think that you you could break them from it,
0: but right? I we just uh, you can't. In, it appears we just interviewed Nate Valley. He has Jack Russells, and uh, it's almost like a badge honor for a guy when he's standing neck deep in a hole that he's dug. You know, yeah. uh, it, it's it's a whole different mindset. Yeah, and I guess that's what I want to cover for people that might listen to this and say. <laughs> Man, those are cool little dogs. I've always wanted one. It come.
2: There's a hook. <laughs> yeah. There's a hook here, and what's what would that hook be for? Well, uh, the, people? the thing that the first questioner was about how do you maintain them? The maintaining them is you have to hunt them. That be hunted. Mm-hmm. As long as, like I said, if once the work is there, no longer there, these little dogs will cease to be hunting dogs. They'll cease. They'll you know they'll just be like they show at the AKC and they'll go right. through the spiel and. They'll talk about them, but it's meaningless to the animal. The, and the cocker breed.
0: spaniel was an upland game oh, dog right, developed in, right. and now they're not. You know,
2: finding a working cocker spaniel is like. Well, I tell you, there's some little Scottish working cockers out there. There still are, but they're I'm crazy. saying Tyler's got one, Hannah's got one. Tyler, knowing where to get yeah. them. Yeah, and uh, so um, as long as there's work, you know, it will do that. And and the 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 kicker is, you know, I just ask what they're. I always ask, "What are you going to do with it?" Right. And if they're going to do something with it, I, I'm not too particular. I know if I have a friend. Well, I don't know if he's a friend. But anyway, he's a terrier guy. And um, he put on this big spiel about if you want a blood tracking dog, you mm-hmm. know, you don't want these dogs. Well, you know, that's what they're, they're, they're they're very useful for that. And they're known for that. And they're bred and tested for that. And um, if a fellow's going to make a blood tracking dog out of it, if, if he's pretty serious about it, you know, I'm all for helping him. You know, Dennis Redden over here. I got him one, just a little too wild a dog. Mm-hmm. His dog was just too a great hunting dog. So I took him down there to Will Sims, and he's using him now. You know, they're killing just all kinds of critters and going yeah. to hog, and hog hunting him too. But there's got to be some kind of work. And Dennis has got another dog out of a, a dog named Zepp. Now looks like it's going to be a great tracking dog, mm-hmm. a great tracking dog. So as long as there's work. And you know that's what I, I say. Are you work? Are you going to work the dog? You know, are you going to do something with this? Dog? And I've been fooled a few times. You know, they people kind of know what to say right. sometimes. You know, and I think they maybe had a bad bad here, and all they really want to do is raise puppies. You know, and you still see that. That yeah. And so yeah. And uh, which is you know I'm not gonna.
0: Well, I'm I'm hoping to to get one so that I can.
2: uh Breed it to my daughter's poodle and make yaga doodles. Yaga doodles—that would yeah. be interesting. They would, <laughs> they would, eat, they would eat all. They would eat every Shih Tzu in the country, you know, wouldn't they? <laughs> Not really. I know. I will tell you, some of these falconers are breeding them to beagles yeah. and making pretty neat little working dogs with. Yeah, them. Uh, breeding them to beagles, and uh, the guy down there in uh, a friend of mine—he's been—he had—he got a dog from me named Combat. Mm-hmm. And uh, had a great little yog terrier. He's just a great hunting dog. Well, he had another yog terrier, and uh, it was an older dog, and he bred it to a uh, leopard hound, a black and tan leopard hound. Yeah. So you'd look at that litter, and half of them look real houndy, half of them look real much like a terrier. So it came back up here, and he said, Would you let me breed to your Zep dog? And I'd already known what was happening with those dogs. They was tree and bear and tree and mountain lion or not mountain lions, but tree and uh, bear and, and, and hunting hogs and doing great. And I said, well, yeah. And so I let him cross breed the dog, you know. And, um, but that's for hunting dogs, right. you know, and who knows what he's doing down there. It might be another breed. I'll tell you, he's doing a great job down there. He just really i for to, it. As long was,
0: as you're not trying to bring him back and saying, these are York Terriers or these oh, are. Oh, right, yeah. yeah.
2: There's no doubt a few lines right. that have a little something in the mix, sure. you know, and, uh, there's one particular line that got a little something in the mix because when you line breed on it, you get something that doesn't look like a York Terrier, <laughs> <laughs> you know, and, uh. But that being said, a dog I know out of that line who didn't look real a lot like a Yog Terrier is probably the finest hog dog. I remember sitting in my chair one Sunday morning getting ready for church, and blink, a picture comes through the messenger, and it's he caught a, he caught a boar hog. I said, "Oh, Otto caught a boar hog." Yeah. And then uh, here comes another. He caught seven boar hogs that morning. Didn't mm-hmm. catch seven hogs. Caught seven boar hogs that morning. Yeah. With that dog. And it was a Yacht Terrier for sure. Eh, might have had a little something in the mix. You yeah, know? Who knows? Yeah. These dogs are not purebred. Right. They're Welsh Terriers, Fox Terriers, something, you know? And I just don't want to be lied to about
0: it. Exactly. I don't
2: want somebody to say, well, you know, they, they actually have opened up uh, some of these uh, German longhars with some Munchterlander breeding. Mm-hmm. And uh, the old purists say, oh, no, we can't do that with a mo They're about the same genetics. Right. Just... They just, they don't use those, mm-hmm. you know, and, and, uh, that's the only way really in a scientific to keep your dogs from getting in trouble, you know, and I, I don't know what you'd cross a yog or to, to, I don't either. to help it. I think, <laughs> but I'm glad that everybody's wanting to breed to one. Yeah. It tells me these dogs have something. I need, I need that in my hog dog. I know a guy's got a bird dog, took it to a bird dog trial. He crossed it on a bird dog and he took it to a bird dog trial and won the, won the bird dog trial. Yeah you know, but just a little bit more dry, but he had, but it would point,
0: you know, super versatile dogs. I knew that when I got mine, just as when I picked him up and was around him and didn't take me a day, I knew I was dealing with something uh, different from anything that I've ever had before. Yeah. Uh, But I also knew that there were ways to um, cap the drive and do things like that. I was actually going to, I was actually working on a YouTube series on uh, crossing over from some police dog training techniques that we use to, I mean, if you can cap the drive in a Mal- yeah, Belgian Malinois, sure, you can do it with the Yog.
2: I tell you, I had a Dutch Shepherd once. A fellow wanted just insisted on uh, giving me a Dutch Shepherd, mm-hmm. and I gave it to Jesse Fulton, just right down the road here. I, I didn't have any, but I said. Why, yeah, this is a yog Terrier about you know waist you know about five yeah. you know and I, and uh, yeah. but it wasn't something that I was interested in. I the if I do something with a dog, it's going to be a little black and tan or a red and tan yog Terrier. Yeah, you know. Yeah. Well, James, you got anything else you want to add to the no, mix? No, um, no, not really. But if anybody's interested in the dogs, you know, the way to be a member, you have to come to a trial, and so uh, you know, we got to kind of see you face to face, and that's the only way you can be a member. Mm-hmm. Of our club. And so we have the trial there in uh, Groton, South Dakota. It's all on a Facebook page. And then we have a, I think we have fairly well up to date. We're not as good on the communication side as we could be. But um, it's all, got, we got a big Facebook presence too. Mm-hmm. There's a big kind of a a teaser club. It's American Hunting Terry Association page. It's got thousands and thousands of members. But most people, uh, thousands and thousands of people on that page, but very few of them are members. Right. There's a lot of. You know that typical dog talk and right. know know it all dog talk and drama that goes on. There, people on there are trying to sell puppies and sure. You know, and we we uh, um, you know we, uh, but but there there's some good information on there for the yeah. most part. And, That's how, and know, usually it. you can make contact with one of the members, mm-hmm. and uh, you know they're 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 getting spread out. Uh, Joey Wright down there in Alabama. We were going to hold a trial down there. We may yet hold one down there in Alabama or Georgia, mm-hmm. and then of course one here and. Uh, A fellow in Ohio wanted to do something. We, 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 uh, you know, you need a little nucleus of people.
0: Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Well, I appreciate it. Appreciate you coming on the Algemon XP podcast. Good deal. Glad to do it. What a lot of information you gave us. Great information. (laughs) (laughs) It's just kind of,
2: it's, it's accumulated over 28 years of having these little dogs. Yeah. You know, exactly. It just kind of spills out sometimes. Most people don't want to hear it, but.
0: Understood. Yeah. I think, I think our audience all wants to hear
2: it. Yeah, yep. I hope so. They Your like pet. hunting dogs, and they've ever seen one of their, these little devils. Uh, Cody Fritz there, the one that I told you that helped us start, that actually wanted to see something put together. I was at a hog bay, a field trial, you know, a trial in uh, Corinth, Mississippi. Mm-hmm. Corinth, is that right? Yeah, Corinth, Mississippi. And uh, I had my little devil dog there. Never seen a hog. Well, it won the puppy class. Never seen a hog his life. And a fellow I was with, I didn't even know I'd won it. He said, you know, you've got this class one. And I said, what do you mean? He said, you've got this class one. So anyway, we they called it back, and and it was a tie for so many places. And so my little dog ran, and, and uh, he said, you've won it. And I said, okay. You know, I didn't even really know what the criteria was. Right. Well, Cody was there and saw that little red dog, and he went back and found one. And then, you know, that kinda helped everything. Paul yeah. Greenwood, his father in law. Mm-hmm. And and of course Paul, he's just he's just gold. He's just human gold.
0: I was looking at his uh horns yeah. that he had yeah. Up the Yeah,
2: American Dog Horn Association. But he is just human he's just one of the best people. Yeah. And uh, I just love Paul Greenwood. When I go down there a lot of times I stay in his home and but we um uh, we use his facility and oh it, yeah. It's just great. I'll be down there in October. Oh, I hope you get yeah, to come. I'll, I'll be It'll, down there, yeah. for there sure. that, that, watching the Bay of Hogs. A lot of fun. Yeah. Have you ever been to a Hog Bay? Oh yeah. Oh well, great. No. Well, you know what's all about then. Yeah. Yeah. I'm a plot guy, so. Oh yeah. <laughs> Did you ever go to the one at uh, Hickory Crossing? The plot. Hickory Hill, Hick- in yeah. South Carolina. Yeah. That's.
0: Uh, I was there the last year that they had the. Uh, the real hog bays before they started putting the restrictions in, and then been to the. Uh, or
2: the real bear bay before mm-hmm. they started putting the restrictions mm-hmm. in. Is that what you mean? Both. Yeah, the bear. Yeah, they had a bear. Now it's a machine, you know, bear. Right. Which, yep. I mean, I, gosh, how could you have a bear? But they did, yeah. <laughs> you know. Yep, yep. Well, yeah. James, I appreciate your time. I appreciate you.
0: All right. Well, until next time, you follow your hounds and I'll follow mine.
2: Or your terrier. Yeah, I'll be following terriers. <laughs>
0: Hang on folks, don't touch that dial. We are going to dive into part two with Calvin Redhouse and we're going to talk about the amazing video footage that he took, the number of hits this crazy feat has generated on Facebook for him. Here it is. All right, so I got the infamous, notorious, and one and only Calvin Redhouse on the podcast. And, uh, Calvin, you're going to tell an amazing story about catching, well, I'm going to let you tell a story. How's everything on the Navajo Nation? Oh, everything's quiet. Um, you know, masks are still mandatory, but, uh, but other than that, it's pretty much life. Life's almost yeah. back to normal here. You've been, you've been hunting a bunch. I know you've been out. I've been seeing you, your resurgence on social media,
2: on yeah. Instagram and Facebook.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I, I kind
1: of took a break for a little bit, you know, taking care of the family, just taking some downtime and letting the dogs recover, rest. So, uh, spring bear started a week ago, and we've been hitting it hard.
0: So, you've been bear hunting?
1: Yeah, um, bear hunting just opened, like I said, a week ago, and then uh, mountain lion season's still in season until the end of June, so.
0: Oh, I didn't realize they were coinciding and overlapping there, so, yeah, cool, man. Well, hey, tell me about, tell me about this thing you did this week. You did something that I don't think, I've never even, I've never seen it. And I know I've never even heard of it. But you caught a bear and a lion in the same tree. Yeah. uh, To be
1: honest with you, you know, it was a, I told my wife I was going out that morning and I didn't even bother to set an alarm and she, uh, pushed me out of bed and said, hey, your alarm's about to go off. And this was at 5 a.m. and I didn't even set an alarm, so I was hesitant to go out. You know, uh, five I laid in bed until about 5.30, finally got up and uh, loaded up the dogs and I didn't leave the house until about close to six. <clears throat> and it was just to exercise the dogs, that was it. Nothing really, you know, nothing special. Um, no, no clients, just me and the dogs, doing what we do on a daily basis, so. <clears throat> We went to uh uh the unit unit one the one that we hunted in when you guys were out here but instead of yeah instead of yeah. instead of the base of the mountain i was up on top and uh i made a big old huge loop just rode in the dogs you know i was like you know what they need exercise and um six six finished dogs and four four uh pups that are less than a year and a half so i said you know what? These pups need to learn, so I kicked them all out of the dog box and just rode them. You always, you always kick everything out of the dog box, anyway. They, they got learned somehow, so, <laughs> <laughs> so that's what I did. And I just rode them, and you know, of course, pups being pups, you know, a couple of them trashed on trashed on deer for me a couple of times, and you know, toned them off of it, and they learned, they were learning, and I rode them for I don't know, I'd say about. I think right around five and a half miles, and um, I was just about ready to give up because it started to get hot right now, um, and it was right around maybe sixty-five degrees, close to seventy degrees, and uh, the dogs were starting to pant, and so I was like, you know what, maybe it's about time to time to get going, and and I was like, I'll just rode them for about another mile, and then I'll throw them in the box and I'll head home we came out of this, um, out of this straw and came up to the top and they started opening and I stopped and half of them went to the right. And the other half went to the left of the road. The ones that went to the right of the road went about maybe three quarters of a mile and went off the side of the mountain. The Mm -hmm. other half, um, kind of zigzagged back and forth on the road. Um, And every time they crossed the road, you know, I was trying to get to there, and I was looking for tracks, and I just kept on seeing dog tracks and dog tracks, and and they just, that's all it was for about maybe a mile. That's all they did. It was zigzag back across the road, back and forth, back and forth, and never could figure out what it was they were chasing. And so finally, they just stopped, came to a dead stop in this big wide open, and uh, they just turned around and came right back. And right where the other dogs went to the right, they took that track again. By that time, the first set of dogs, the first half that I originally went right, had already been treed um, five hundred mile five hundred yards away from the road. So, found an yeah. found an old two track logging road, and that got me within three hundred yards of the of the tree. So, by that's
0: that's close for
1: you. Yeah, and the best part about it was. You know, it was all level ground. It was just right off the edge of the mountain before, you know, it started to get real steep. They were just right there. So I just walked up, got camera gear, got some stuff and uh having to walk up. I originally came crest over the top of the hill and there was a Ponderosa pine tree that was sticking out from the bottom and I looked over and I saw the bear and I was like, oh, all right, cool. They're right there. Okay. I see the bear. So I backed off of the top and went down and around because there was a little ledge. There was a, um, I don't know if I say about an eight foot ledge that I couldn't get down. So I went back, backtracked a little bit and found a way down and around it. And as I started coming up to the tree, there was this big old boulder that was stood between myself and the tree just right over the top of that. I could see over the top of the boulder. I could see the bear and so yeah. you know nonchalant like eh, that bear's not going nowhere kept on walking making all kinds of noise just as i came over the around the top of that boulder i seen the mountain lion, and i just you know i just hurry up duck behind down behind that oh, boulder kid. i was like oh if he sees me there's a good chance he's gonna jump so yeah i ducked yeah. on that boulder i took out camera gear i took out my phones i took out everything i needed i was like i just i need to get this before this cat jumps. No and kidding, man. I'm not going to lie. My my hands were shaking a little bit because I was so excited, all the adrenaline coming that was going through my body. And I just couldn't believe it. You know, I had to take like two or three pauses, looked and looked. And I was like, am I seeing what am I seeing? And I was like, yeah, that's
0: right. It's it's a mountain lion and a bear. And a, bear. and a
1: bear, and I was just like, "Oh man!"
0: And they weren't they weren't four feet apart in that tree. No,
1: that the dogs were probably about maybe eight foot off the ground. From the dogs were about four eight foot below the cat. The bear was right. about maybe a foot and a half above the mountain line, around the next limb up. And it was just it was just exciting, man. And I stayed, and surprise to my surprise, I sat there for about maybe twenty. 25 minutes just just watching at all you know i didn't yeah i didn't i couldn't believe what i was seeing you know and i finally after about maybe a good 10 minutes of sitting there and and watching them myself you know i was like hey let me see if I got a signal. I took out my phone. I was like, Oh, I can go Facebook live. I got one bar LTE. So I was like, let's do this. I don't know. I know. A lot of people yeah. will be interested to see this. I know that like took me 10 minutes to realize what I was
0: actually seeing. So I don't know. Calvin, the whole, the whole world is interested in what you, what you accomplished. I'm telling you the whole hunting world is I, when I saw the live, I was like, you gotta be kidding. I, I even stopped it and, and uh, looked at it and make sure you weren't because you're pretty slick on video <laughs> stuff. And I was thinking he's Photoshop. he's used Lightroom and put it. <laughs> no, but it, it was the whole deal, man. So tell me, did you ever see a track or anything? Did you have it was a total surprise? To no, you.
1: like I I tried ever since they crossed the road back and forth, and then even the dogs that took the right track the first time. I could not cut kind a of single track. The ground was dry, like um the dogs would be running and there would just be a a dust trail right behind him and they're not, and they're just walking and I couldn't for the life of me cut a single track. So I didn't know what to expect. So that's why I said, when I came across the top, I saw the bear. I was like, all right, well, just another normal day. Bear came over the top of that boulder and there, what there was the lion. So.
0: Did you, uh, how do you think it happened? I mean, that is so unusual that, that, I mean, they, they that just never ha- that doesn't happen. How do you think it happened? Well, I was I was shocked. I was trying to figure it out too,
1: and I got a little bit closer to the base of the base of the tree, and the mountain lion has got some his his entire snout is covered with dry blood and fresh blood, and then I looked up at the bear, and the bear's the exact same way. So, uh, I'm gonna assume that the dogs jumped them right off of the kill and the kills right around there somewhere.
0: And Yeah, I was gonna ask you if you looked around for a kill. Um
1: no I didn't. I didn't want to disturb the kill and put my scent all over it. I mean, who knows yeah. how long those those animals have been trying to hunt that animal for. So I didn't want to right. disturb it. I just wanted to, you know, leave him be, you know, I already picked on them enough. So <laughs> Yeah. So I'm assuming the bear went up the tree first and then the cat stayed there as long as he could. And then finally went up the tree after the dogs got close, I'm assuming. Um, But that's, I I didn't bother looking for a kill. But my educated guess is the dogs jumped them off of a fresh kill that they were both sitting on. And from what I've seen on, you know, um, National Geographic and all this other stuff, the only time predators come together and eat is if there's enough food to go around for them not to fight over. Mm-hmm. and the only thing I can think of is maybe uh, livestock.
0: The lion. Maybe
1: it's a livestock, livestock, maybe a cow or a horse that they probably could have taken down. That's the only thing that I can think of that's big enough to feed a mountain lion and a bear at the same time for them to kind of get along and put their differences aside and enjoy yeah. their dinner, so... <laughs>
0: Yeah, you take that leg. You can have this side, and I'll take this side, and we'll come together for this (laughs) meal. I don't think they were probably up there splitting a jackrabbit. No, yeah, (laughs) yeah, or an elk calf, or because you've got you've got all kinds of stuff on that mountain. You've got elk. You got mule deer. You got you know. There's plenty of plenty of stuff up there. They they. have you seen cattle and stuff up on that mountain? Too? Yeah, there's
1: there's there's quite a bit of cattle up there. Um, being spring and a lot of the snow has melted, the the livestock around here like is all open. The entire reservation is open range. So, when yeah. snow starts to melt off the top of the mountain, livestock already you know are trained to start making their way up. So there's um, for, there's newborn calves that are running around, newborn colts that are all over the place, and so. That's just my assumptions that it has to have been like a, a big animal, um, elk. Yeah, it could have been an elk. There is elk in that part of yeah. the that part of uh, that unit. So, <clears throat> and yeah, I stayed there for about I don't know twenty five minutes, thirty minutes, and that bear just didn't care. It lay down and at one point was actually had his eyes closed, taking a nap. And yeah, the lion was you know upset. He was trapped between. Yeah, you know, a rock in a hard place, I guess you could say. <laughs> so, uh, that the lion was moving around the entire time, and then finally, I think the bear got fresh uh, restless. He stood up and he started, you know, kind of pawing down at the mountain lion, and the mountain lion got really upset. He didn't like it one bit. Right. And that was it. That was the last straw when that bear was trying to, you know, that bear went from the edge of the limb. Closer to the tree trunk. And when that happened, that line was, nope, I'm out of here. He looked down, you know, assessed the situation and then he started looking for where to jump. And that was it. That, that cat took off. And, and of course the dogs, the dogs left me underneath the tree with that bear. And I was like, and i was like,
0: uh,
1: <laughs> yep, I think it's about time to go. So. I, uh, <laughs> yeah
0: was it a was it a mature bear and a mature lion no, or were, they were, did they seem like they, they were young? both
1: young um the lion was mm. probably a two-year-old maybe even less maybe one that I would assume that he just got kicked free from the mother to be honest with you because he still had yeah. quite a bit of spots on the on the rear end that you could still see and then the the uh-huh. bear was young um his ears were pretty close together he looked like a big bear they look like big animals from the in the picture that I took but they were both young and that was just because they were sitting so close And the size comparisons between a bear and a mountain lion. They just, they made each other actually look kind of big, but up close and personal. Yeah. They were, they were both young. And even if I had a shooter I, or a hunter, I still would advise them, you know, this is, this is not one you want to take. This is not going to make you, right. you know, it's not going to, yeah, it'll fill your tag, but it's not going to be one that you want to, you know, show to the world and, and uh, praise and brag and talk about. So.
0: Yeah, it's not. It's not even good management practices at that point. Yes, take, take not, not like technically
1: that. ethical as, as as a hunter standpoint. Yes.
0: What kind of feedback have you gotten? I mean, you posted it on social media. What kind of feedback have you gotten so far? Um,
1: so far, I've gotten uh, positive feedback from everybody. I've yet to come across a couple of people that will that have had given me negative feedback. Um, I think it's last time I look. I think it was right around thirty-seven thousand views for my first for, for my first live uh, video. It was right around thirty. I think it's thirty-seven thousand that that's sitting at right now. So,
0: wow, and that's, I'm gonna look at it, and right it, now.
1: it's quite a bit. I'm I'm shocked. Uh, usually, I sit around fifteen hundred, two thousand, two thousand views on videos that I post. And
0: was it on Reshounds, Hounds? Calvin? Yeah. I'm going to take a look at it and see what it's got. Uh, live. You've, you're sitting at 38,000, 38.1,000 views on that video. Yeah. And that's
1: quite a bit. I mean, from a, for a small, you know, small uh, small town native boy like myself, yeah, that's quite a bit.
0: <laughs> that's really cool. And they can find it. You can find the whole video on calvin's uh facebook page at rez hounds r-e-z hounds and it's the first live video that that pops up there and uh how many dogs do you have again I my 10 six finish and four pups i got gotcha. you
1: i got gotcha. you so yeah cool i mean cool it was exciting you know i mean i don't i've never seen it happen i've never seen anybody post it. and i've talked to a couple of a couple of other older houndsman's that, you know, have told me, you know, I've heard people say that they've done it before, I've, but I've never seen photos. I've never seen video of, you know, actual visual proof that they have done it. It's just, you know, word of mouth, you know, so-and-so did it, or this yeah. person's done it before, but,
0: and... Well, I mean, even if you go back, even if you go back as far as, you know, the Lee brothers or they documented things they would have somebody would have told that story and it would have it would have come up somewhere i've never heard of anything like it i can't find anything like it and i'm just sticking to calvin redhouse as the first person in the history of houndsmen that have ever done it seriously
1: (laughs) i mean i'm i'm just delighted happy to see it is it once in a lifetime oh yeah will it happen again in my lifetime oh no probably not to be honest with you I mean, right. I don't know how many people you know commented, hey, you better go buy yourself a lottery ticket.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I think you might have. You might have been handed a winning lottery yeah, ticket right and here,
1: then, Calvin. And, and then I would say to my wife, you know, hey, let's go to the casino. Maybe I might hit it big. And I, she just laughed at me. shook her <laughs> head. And like, yeah, you, you're getting a big head now. So,
0: <laughs> <laughs> Well, Calvin, I just wanted to take a few minutes and talk to you and uh, get the get the scoop right from the source and i know that uh, people just need to follow you on social media that's how we got to know you is just one of the hardest hunting guys i know and and you just go up there and get after it every day yeah i was gonna go back out this morning i did but you know the dog we've
1: been running so much that you know some of the dogs were actually kind of sore so i I watched them this morning and they were barely you know barely getting out of their dog boxes now it's like yeah i'm you guys can relax for a little bit you know so probably not right. until this weekend we'll be hitting it hard again
0: yeah yeah i, I we've told your story on the podcast before about how you just you know you just hunt hard and make good dogs and and um, you're doing it in a great place so thanks for taking the time to share the story with us calvin i appreciate it man Yep, no problem man anytime all right all right stay in touch will do